So what's going to differentiate? How about service? How about customer service? How about making me not feel like I want to blow my freaking brains out every time I go into your store? How about that? Can you satisfy a customer? I would like to see that. Differentiate yourself by not making me want to kill myself just for being your customer. There you go. Oh, harsh. Because Verizon right now, I have to go through therapy between you and... How about, the, the, how about their cloud services? Please. Wednesday, June 27th, 2012, episode 15 of Yats. It's yet another tech show. Join us every week at yetanothertechshow.com slash live. You can watch us and hang out in the chat room there. That's the same address you go to watch the reruns, so definitely check it out once a week. Make sure you're subscribed to the show in iTunes or RSS feed readers or whatever your pleasure is. My name is Matt Lee. As usual, join tonight. We got the whole cast plus one, Aunt Pruitt. What's going on? What's going on, gentlemen? We got Larry Press back from vacation looking much more tan. How you Absolutely. doing? Very well. Glad to be back, you guys. Good to have you back, man. We got Mike Rothman. How you doing, Mike? Good. I'm doing great here in California. Love to see you all. Better than in Colorado where things are on fire right now, and I don't mean the Kindle. Uh, joining us, special guest, plus one, from a new domain.net, from crackberry.com, perhaps, used to be, is currently. I don't know. He'll tell us. Isaac Kendall. What's up, man? Hey, greetings from Vancouver, and formerly of Crackberry, and now of a new domain. Very cool. Well, welcome to Yats. Welcome to yet another tech show. Stay for the chats. Thank you very much. Get some Yats. Uh, let's start the show off tonight. Big news. Of course, the last three weeks, we've been watching... Pretty much the main players in in what we like to think as the as the tech industry for uh, our hardware, our search, and more hardware. We've had uh, Microsoft gave their big uh, presentation for the Surface. We had Apple's WWDC the week before that, and of course this week is Google's turn. We had Google I/O, uh, their big developer conference, where it's. It reminds me of like a mixture between going to watch Oprah Winfrey in person and uh, a technology meetup because they always give out just wicked cool stuff. You always get to see the the new cool stuff uh, this year. What were they giving out this year? Was everybody right? Was it the Nexus 7, their new tablet? That's what they got. They got the tablet. They got the um, G-Next, like what you have. And then they got... um, new Q device. Next is Q. Kind of bridging the gap between what? There are they were they is that a move to try and make a new niche or is that them just trying to keep up with Apple TV, with Roku, with Slingbox, Boxybox? I mean there's a ton of them out there. You know, I looked at that, that Nexus Q device and 
I, I had it confused. I thought it was just going to be another uh, set-top box to go along with Google TV, but, I mean, it just seems more like multimedia music or, or I know they. I can't they, say I really cared for it, but I mean, I, I like how they put it together, and I like how it interfaces. But I want to do my music. That's what the the home theater is for. That's know? cool. Hey, Aunt, mute your mic real quick for a sec. Um, they they also announced Jelly Bean. I noticed Android four point one. People are saying that it's way way faster than even ICS. Which I thought, I, I mean, Ice Cream Sandwich was way faster. And, and I mean, they keep iterating, and, and it's faster and faster and faster. But I, I wasn't expecting much from a point one lease. Uh, looks pretty interesting. Mike, you, you looking forward to this on the HTC One X? The blog today, it seemed like there'd be some functionality I'd, I'd like to play with. So, yeah, bring it on. Now, the One X was not among the phones listed as receiving the update uh, in the first wave. So I'm a little bit on pins and needles about when AT&T is going to roll this out. Right. I heard, I saw uh, before we started the show, an article on The Verge saying that certain Galaxy Nexus owners are already seeing the 4.1 update uh, OTA. I'm willing to bet that's not the Verizon (laughs) users like me. Kind of bummed about that, but okay, thanks Verizon. Um, but if you have an unlocked, you know, GSM version, or if you bought one through uh, the Play Store, you'll probably be getting 4.1 pretty soon. That's uh, very exciting. Uh, it also comes with a whole bunch of other uh, features. People are saying better notifications, uh, something called Google Now, uh, which they're saying you can trigger it by swiping from the bottom of the screen, and that draws on calendar, location, and search history to automatically present what a device thinks is information a person needs to know. <laughs> this is the birth of Skynet telling you what it thinks you need to know. You I, think once ag- I think once again, Google's hit on something cool and creepy all at the same time. Isn't that amazing? It's a, they have a very special talented gift uh, in, in doing that. You know, there's some other notes about improved speed, improved graphics, smoother graphics. Right. A quick turnaround, hasn't it? Hasn't this been a really short period between yeah. this one and, the, and ICS? ICS has not been on the market all that long. Yeah, it seems like really. Yeah, short. and what's, what's the percentage of, of ICS adoption? It hasn't broke 20% yet, has it? I mean, it's I know. broken 10 Maybe. I, it was 7 last I checked. I was going 20 just to give it a little buffer there, but <laughs> maybe. Um, I know the Razer Max and the Razer recently got updated, so that'll. I know there's a lot of people that had those devices, so that'll up the numbers a little bit. And, you know, the more they keep rolling them out to these devices that, that large groups of people jumped on uh, within, what, the last two upgrade cycles... I think we'll start seeing that number get up there. But does that mean anything when that's already old now? It seems like you're kind of chasing this proverbial rabbit down the never-ending rabbit hole of sorts. You got it. (laughs) Well, my my biggest question is ICS was supposed to be the unifying version of the operating system. You know, with all of the whole bridging honeycomb for tablets and what was it, Froyo or Gingerbread uh, on the phone. So this was their their unifying. So this is just a a minor update to improve upon that, I guess. 
Well, I think it being 4.1 is telling, right? It's it's a point revision, not a platform revision. Right, because when it first or when we first saw or heard the rumors about it, everyone was saying five. It was going to be five, and they pulled an Apple and gave us the 4s, you know, or the the 3gs, exactly. or whatever. That's that's kind of how I feel about it. But you know, it, we got the ICS running at that low percentage on the handsets, and now with uh, with Jelly Bean coming out. How is it going to unify it and make that number go up? You know, how are the different manufacturers going to be able to work with that? And and even more so, how are the carriers going to be able to work with that and get it out on more handsets than what we got now? I'm hoping that it it motivates the carriers to focus less on trying to be their own software skin theme, whatever you want to call that. <laughs> That excuse yeah. for you know what I mean, whatever yeah. that is that they're doing, I God knows I have no clue what they call it. But if they if they all quit trying to do that and focused in trying to set themselves apart in other areas, and which I mean, there's plenty of areas. They don't all have to be like, well, why are you guys doing that? And they're like, well, we're trying to set ourselves apart. And it's like, well, all of you. Because you're all kind of doing the exact same thing exact in your own thing. crappy way. And the only thing it's doing is making a, the nerdy, geeky customers like us angry. And it's causing fragmentation to the rest of the customers who want to know why their Android phone looks different than their friend's Android phone as far as you know, software on it. And if they quit doing that, they would get these updates much quicker, so much quicker, and we wouldn't have this problem, I think. I agree, but I, 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 it still remains to be seen, though. Well, sure, and they're they're saying because you know Verizon is is very very greedy and has their own little plans. All of them, I Verizon mean, even, with with the share plans that they just came out, I would say they're the greediest at this point. Yeah, but I mean, even look at your device, you you and your 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 GNX. You know, that's a flagship Google device, but they still had to sneak some of their crapware on there. A little bit, I not bet, much. I bet you got Blockbuster on there, don't you? No, 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 no. <laughs> they uh, thankfully enough for us Android users on Verizon, they stopped putting bloatware apps of bankrupt companies on our phones. <laughs> so, I appreciate that, Verizon. I mean. Go with Netflix. Netflix was right there, and you put the blockbuster. Like, really? What right, is come that? On, come on. Real quick, <laughs> uh, before think, we go to Isaac. I agree real... these guys are really greedy, but what's the advantage to not rolling it out quickly? What is it buying? More time to test their stuff, because if they roll it out quickly and it breaks a bunch of stuff because of what they put on top of Android, they're going to have even more pissed off customers than what they had in the first place, not getting the updates. Larry, my take on that is that it's just not in the carrier's interest to roll out updates. It's, it's not a priority for them. They just as soon sell you a new phone, and I think uh, that's what they want you to think. I think the real underlying reason is how long does it take them to fully test each one of yeah, those updates yeah. because of the hooks that they themselves felt the need to put into the OS. If those weren't there, all the updates would work, but they're different, and it's so ingrained in the kernel in at, at the OS level that they have to test it because nine times out of 10, something got changed, some little thing even, and it messes up everything they've built on top of that. 
And those of us on the original Droid X who who dealt with Moto Blur or the OG Droid even, which it wasn't as bad, but you know what putting a fresh ROM, even a vanilla mm. install of Android does, you know how fast that makes your phone. So what is that saying? That everything the carriers put on that phone that's different than what comes stock is doing nothing but slow the device down. And it's slow it's it very down. noticeable. It's It's really noticeable. Um, they're saying the update will roll out. This is over on PC Mag. Uh, that the update will roll out over the air to the Galaxy Nexus, Nexus S, the Motorola Zoom, also, and that'll be in mid July. Uh, they released the SDK to developers today over at developer.android.com. That said, that's rolling out to the Zoom tablet. Yeah, that's that's why I said, like, really, the Zoom. It's got the hardware to run it. I I guess it's that much faster, right? So maybe it's maybe it's. Kind of like an iOS thing where you don't need super fast quad core to make it run smooth because they're they're more optimized. And honestly, I don't know. I don't want to spend too much more time on this. We'll talk about more on Attack of the Androids next week. But I kind of think ICS was rushed a little bit just to beat out whatever was there at the time or maybe to, to freshen up things. And I think this is them kind of going back and really optimizing the code if we're getting speed performance enhancements of like 20 30 to 40 percent they i think they rush something in the first iteration you know because you don't get that kind of speed boost with a little 0.1 update you know unless you're really fixing some code but well, that, that's just vista? that's Honeycomb just speculation or ics which one was vista Vista? I, uh, Vista. Honeycomb. <laughs> Vi- I, mean, you know, I liked Honeycomb pretty, personally. Pretty tragic there for some for some devices. See, I know? I didn't have a problem with Honeycomb, but my first Honeycomb experience was on the Transformer Prime, and that thing, because of how buggy ICS was, the first few updates that Asus pushed out, Honeycomb seemed super awesome just because it was stable and it ran well. But okay. I don't know what Honeycomb was like on the Zoom or the OG Galaxy tabs. I never used any of those. So maybe it was just horrendous on those devices. You know, guys, don't jump on me for saying this, but my take on it is is that Google feels some pressure to smooth out their rough edges. And the pressure is coming from uh, iOS. Oh, of which, course. Which, by comparison, is a much more polished and of course, a you know longer established operating system. Sure. So Google's model is going to keep to keep iterating and iterating until they get it right. Well, and that's what I've heard some people mention online is that Google or Apple, they're not the ones that are going to come out with the cutting edge stuff. They're going to take what's out there and make it perfect, and then they're going to release it. Google kind of seems like let's throw a bunch of darts at the board and put a bunch of stuff out, and then we'll stick with the five things out of the 20 that we tried that work. And we're really seeing this more under the new leadership where they're kind of tightening everything in, getting rid of all the excess, getting rid of the stuff that's not working, rather than uh, just let them kind of go off into the ether. They're actually saying, no, we're done with this. Let's focus here. And I think it's working. It's definitely a, a move in the right direction. Well, given that they're activating a million a day, I think they're definitely going in the right direction. That's yeah, that's that's crazy number. That's I mean, Apple takes number. three and a half days to activate a million. Right. 
And, and I mean, the, you can get into the whole cost and price and, and, and comparisons like that. But yeah, it, it's either way you look at it, it's good that there's competition and it's good that they're being adopted like that. I, it's really interesting. I, I think it's great. Um, some more new features before we get off the whole uh, Android thing here. They got offline voice typing added in Jelly Bean, which is cool, I think. Uh, auto arranging of icons, predictive keyboard, which all of us are on the new Swift Key 3 because it's phenomenal. <laughs> um, they got the NFC beam, stuff like that still. Uh, boosting search, and like I mentioned, Google Now. Uh, they unveiled... A knowledge graph, which basically combines a Bing-like snapshot panel uh, with Jelly Bean Google plans to use the power of the knowledge graph to return more rich results that they are calling cards. So each card, I guess, it, it, they, they're, they're saying that it's going to give you the right information at the right time and it's all automatic. So... I'll be interested to see what kind of use cases comes out uh, for that. It includes using your search history, location history, your calendar. Uh, Google Now, for example, will memorize your normal commute from home to work and back and provide alternate routes if it thinks there's traffic, if it detects traffic. Uh, if you're waiting for a bus or subway, it'll tell you when it comes, when it's going to arrive. If you're at a restaurant, it's going to order your food and tip for you. No. <laughs> uh, it'll... <laughs> tell you the dish for which that place is best known or it can recommend places if you're walking around. It's really what this sounds like is them utilizing all of these signals that they've been gathering for the last you know few years and finally giving us, the end user, something to do with them rather than just targeting ads at us with it. Like this, this kind of seems like a useful tit for tat for all this information you give us that gives us the millions and billions of dollars we make in ad revenue we're gonna let you use some of your information which is mighty nice of them i think thanks google thanks so all right uh anything else that caught your guys's eye before we move on uh can't the price of that tablet yeah <laughs> that's yeah. nice and then I they mean, also announced some two hundred dollars. The tablet's on. Yeah, what about that tablet for two hundred bucks? The Nexus Seven. It's only an eight gig for two hundred bucks, but some people are saying you can live in the cloud enough that that doesn't matter. Some of us are kind of wanting more sixteen gig model or wishing it had an SD card. But again, what what is your other choice for two hundred bucks? It's not going to be quad core. It's not going to run as smooth as this, and it's not going to have. Reboot. There you go. Oh, God. <laughs> Moving on. What about the lack of HDMI? Does that bother anybody? The what? There's no HDMI on the new Nexus 7. Uh, I think I, that's a little odd. If they yeah, put HDMI on it, do you think that would conflict more with the... What's what's the their TV thing called? The... Crap. No, all of that... The um Q the Q three hundred dollar Q don't like, they want that less brother of a tablet well right but don't they want that to be the center that connects to the TV and then you're using the tablet to maybe control that rather than to actually hook the tablet up like what we do right now with the Prime or even the Droid X had HDMI out on it I feel like they weren't. It, to add the HDMI would have maybe put it over that price point because then you have to do more processor stuff to get the signal. I, I don't know. That That's an interesting point, Isaac. But, you know, like 200 bucks for tablet plus 300 bucks for the Q is uh, something I'm not going to buy. Well, don't buy the Q. 
Why do you need the tablet to go HDMI? Maybe they're just wanting that tablet to be a couch feature. Because you can't find anything else wrong with it, so that's it, or what? That's it. Yeah. Well, my BlackBerry Playbook has uh, HDMI, so there. Is that the line? Is that the bar? The standard? Oh. <laughs> Are you running CM9 you know, on it? HDMI sitting on a couch with a tablet and a long cable or something. Really <laughs> right? want that link to be wireless. That's why I would rather have the Q hooked up to that and the tablet going wirelessly to control it and maybe you can even beam some information back to it or use it as an overlay or something like that. I think that would maybe be more useful than holding the tablet. I, whenever I hook up my Prime to the big screen, I always hook up my Galaxy Nexus to the Prime to use it as a controller because I don't like having that cable attached to it. So I, I don't know. Maybe Maybe it's something like that. And, uh, yeah, you were right. Uh, as of June 1st, ICS is only on 7.1% of devices, uh, while 65% of devices are running Android 2.3. Froyo is still at, what, 19%? Probably what? making up the rest. Why is Froyo still out there? Because all of everybody I know, their girlfriends all got the droid heiress. <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's it. Oh man, that's it right there. How, how sad is that? I know, right? Oh, uh, and you then they also people, they you they guys think most people care. No, nobody cares. Uh, they also introduced Project Butter, uh, which is that performance focused effort to make everything on the phone feel buttery smooth. And they got the statue in. So very exciting news. Even Larry's birds are excited. Yeah. That's why we should use regular microphones. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. You had an interesting post about Microsoft working on building its own phone, and I was kind of curious what that does to Nokia, what that does to anybody else maybe thinking of wanting to partner with Microsoft to bring a Windows phone. The first kind of slap in the face was all of the OG Windows phones are not getting that nice upgrade. So their their flagship Lumia device, not going to get the upgrade. I, I, I wondered if they looked at Nokia and was like, okay, the writing's on the wall. This this ship is sinking. we got to do something, you know. Um, but then again, I looked at it as far as, what did they learn from the past? Because I don't know if y'all remember, but do you remember the the Ken? Yeah. And how horrible those phones were. I think they was it forty eight days that it lasted, something like that. And um, it was a horrible phone. I they they wanted to target a certain market and whatnot, and it just it just wasn't ready for it. Poor timing. So. Are they trying to make this phone to be something as as nice as the Lumia that's out there now, or or what are they trying to do? I mean, or are they trying to make the digital hub again and just sort of complete that circle? You know, they got the new Surface tablet or whatever you want to call it. Um, the phone can handle music, and then they got whatever um, the desktop units are going to run as far as Windows 8 goes. You know, and just just unify it all. I personally think they need to just stick with a third-party manufacturer, but, hey, Bomber knows what he's doing. I heard an interesting point. What if they're afraid that third parties are going to get it wrong? So they're going to create a device that says, here's how it's done. Have at it. Is that possible? I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. You don't think I, so? I just can't. I, I, I just can't. What do you That's think, Isaac? me, though. 
Well, isn't that when I when I think about this, I think of uh, when Google came out with HTC and put out the Nexus One and said, "This is the spec." Everybody get in line, and that to me really jump started the modern day Android smartphone because before the Nexus One, man, Google phones sucked bad. And the Nexus One with the super analytic screen, Snapdragon process, that really kicked things into gear. And maybe that's what Microsoft's trying to do. That could be. I think it's kind of a business necessity. Microsoft's got to have an alternative in case Nokia craters. And, you know, with each passing day, it looks like Nokia is going down the drain. And then it's, you know, it's a possible extension of their strategy with the Surface. They're selling a, uh, they are going to sell a Microsoft branded tablet. Why not make a companion Microsoft branded phone? I mean, there's a certain logic to it. What do you think, Larry? Yeah, I'm just trying to think that the other phone manufacturers, like you guys are all saying it, it'll really turn them off. On the other hand, Google sort of did the same thing, and, and it seemed to, to um, you know, obviously, like you were saying, it jump-started the, the whole thing. Um, there's also the sort of technical advantage of controlling the software and the hardware and being able to really optimize as a, as a single thing. Uh, maybe that's what they're thinking. Um, hard to know. It seems like they're eating, you know, is it the day Google bought Motorola, didn't you think the same thing? Isn't that going to piss everybody else off? What's going to be the relationship? Also, is is Nokia? Isn't Nokia? You know, there's two things. One is a brand, and, and the other is engineering staff. Does it really matter who designs the phone and and what brand is on it? Um, I mean, you could have you can have Microsoft guys working on a phone and call it a Nokia such and such. If you like the name, the Nokia brand, I mean, those, those guys are tight enough now that, uh, you know, it's kind of a branding question as well as a design question, isn't it? I think one of the things that Apple has taught us is, is that all of this equipment is made in one of three different plants somewhere in China. And in a certain sense, uh, manufacturing becomes a commodity. So it's all about design of the hardware and maybe arguably more important, the, the, the mix of hardware in the component, in, in the device, and central to all of that is the software. So, you know, I, I think Google and Microsoft are both going after the, the very high margins that Apple is earning on their hardware. Do you think any of that has to do with prior reputation and Google's reputation and Microsoft's reputation before? And I know if I was if I was a small company or a little hardware manufacturer and I had to pick who I wanted to work with, I would probably have picked Google just based on prior reputation. Do you think that has anything to do with it or is that just petty? You know, I'll give you another thought. Somebody said, I think it was Mike said, Nokia is going down the drain. Is Nokia, like a big growth market for these smartphones is developing nations. And isn't Nokia really still a strong brand in those countries? Yeah, those. I mean, you guys have a U.S. perspective, but, but what if we're talking about Latin America or Africa? 
They were they were strong because of that operating system. What was that? The the, the Symbian? Symbian. Symbian? Yeah, but yeah, again, I don't think people even know if they just buy a Nokia phone, I you know? The yeah. average person. I'm not talking about you guys that uh, live and breathe gadgets. Um, you know, I am not sure that whether Microsoft designs the phone. I think there's a real advantage to doing the hardware and the software in one house. Uh, whether you call it a Nokia phone or a Microsoft phone, I'm not sure. I think that's more a marketing question, isn't it? And isn't Nokia kind of a good name in developing nations, which I think have to be a growth market. I, there aren't a lot of smartphones in those nations. But if Larry... It, the smartphones that are going to those nations are those lower end Android devices, just because of how cheap they are. I mean, what's to what's to make them choose the the newer alternative over that? I mean, other than com- those are committing very they're price conscious things. They really have to. Uh, yeah, I agree with what you just said, and the same thing with tablets. Uh, the five hundred dollar tablet's not going to sell nearly as well in Africa as the two hundred dollar tablet. And maybe they're going to leave all that to Android, but I wouldn't think so. Well, not I, definitely not having it tethered to a carrier gives them the option of, of doing that. I mean, you can sell it wherever you want. And I mean, if you think about it, I think tablets with built-in 3G are kind of pointless if you have a smartphone because just tether it. And and granted, a lot of carriers are, don't want you to do that or charge you extra for that. But I mean, there's always ways to get around that. Not, I Larry, I, I don't disagree with you with... Building your own hardware in-house is is is, a, is that's not a bad idea. I get that. You know, you got your own specs in-house. You got your own people, and with the R and D and so forth. Um, and it could potentially be, you know, cost-effective. But just my personal opinion, I don't think Microsoft got the smarts to do it. I I I just don't. I, I think we saw two things from Microsoft last week that are brand, a new, show a new Microsoft. One, they're making some of their own hardware. And two, Microsoft has never cut some of their previous users off of the knees like they did last week by announcing that all the Windows Phone 7 people will not get Windows Phone 8. Much to their detriment uh, in the on the Windows side of things, some of their biggest problems are the legacy uh, compatibility that they keep um, supporting. And by cutting people off, saying, no, 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 that's it. You need to buy a new Windows Phone 8. I mean, this it's a brand new Microsoft. They've never done this before. Maybe that's, that has a lot to do with it, too, is that this is kind of uncharted territory for them. They never had very good luck in this uh, space before. Exhibit A, <laughs> this little guy right here, <laughs> the 6900 running Windows Mobile 6.1. <laughs> classic Windows device before sticks. this i had the 67 which had a keyboard and 5.0 which was just a horrendous experience uh i just don't they want to maybe get it right this time because they know that if they don't this is their last chance in this space i mean i personally think it's too little too late just because everybody that wants one is on either apple or android side it doesn't yeah feel like there's much room and and grand people go where the apps are the developers go where the people are right now the people are in android and and in apple if microsoft can do something really compelling with the hardware and the software and start it out they have to seed it with their own apps i think to maybe show here's what is possible 
to make it not look like a desolate ghost town when somebody goes to the app store or whatever Microsoft is calling it. It kind of reminds me of the Reddit thing that just came out the other day about how somebody found out or they posted a video that the founders of Reddit made fake accounts when they first got started to post stories under. And every time they posted a new story under a name, it would make an account. So it looked like there were people there using it, even though there wasn't. But back then, I mean, the only way they, they say, and I agree with this, you don't, you don't want your users or your new users to go to reddit.com and see a blank page. You need starter content. If they were continuing to do that to generate fake traffic or fake community interaction or whatever, I would have a problem with it. But as long as they stopped once that seed was big enough to go on its own and to create that, that community, then, then I, I, I don't see a problem with it. I mean, ethically, that, that's another discussion. But maybe Microsoft wants to do something like that, seed it a little bit, and then see where it goes from there. The only good thing they got going in this, in my opinion, is... It's all Windows 8, and it can be unified. You know, the whole Metro UI look. Can you see them exploiting their position in the enterprise to have a good seed to start with? There's a lot of built-in users right there if you can get those IT guys to make that jump, which is going to be tough, right? That's going to be the tough part for them. Because the IT folks don't believe in that right now. It's almost uh, like uh, carriers and their skins. Because of what IT or enterprise builds on top of the foundation of the main operating system, you got to test a lot of stuff every update to make sure because you break one little thing in this database and the whole infrastructure comes falling down, right? So yeah. they want to make sure that that's... So I, I can see why they don't iterate very quickly in that space, but that might come to bite them in the, in the rear in the long run. Who knows? Hey, Ant, it's your place. That do the guys bring in all their own devices? Can it bring in any tablet or any phone they want? BYOD. Hey, no. well, yeah, we can bring we can bring our own phones, but um, PCs, heck no. Okay, but just no. I, I was just does Microsoft does a Microsoft tablet or a Microsoft phone have any advantage at your place? Uh, no. To tap into existing yeah. active any directories. I mean, no, nothing over, nothing over uh, Apple or Android at this time. There's not nothing. like a push button, like sync to your business or, you know, yeah. something like that. that I would, can... That would be no. I mean, the way we have our CRM and some of our other custom apps, they're both running equally smooth in the, um, on those other two environments and Microsoft come in and try to do the same thing and wouldn't make any difference. I mean, in all honesty, based on my little test of the windows eight preview way back when, um, I tried looking at some of our web applications just with that IE 10 bombed, just, just suck, you know, even just, I remember reading in that spec sheet, it said, this browser will support legacy ActiveX controls. And I know that we have an application that has legacy ActiveX controls. No, it did not work, period. <laughs> you know, and then even just the simple Outlook web um, interface mm-hmm. to check your webmail, yeah. you know, that was, that's the Microsoft product running Microsoft's um, uh, Outlook server. And uh, no, 
it, it, it wouldn't work either. It would display the folders differently. Your replies options were gone. It, it, it's like, uh, yeah, this is not looking good. Well, I mean, you, you would concede that this is a, still a preview that you're looking at. Yeah, it's a preview, but man, just good grief. You, you can't say, I don't know. There, there are still a lot of problems. I, I I would agree with you that it surprises me they're talking about releasing this thing in August or something, and there's still a lot, so many rough edges to it. it. It just, I don't know, it just struck me by surprise because, you know, I just read that document, Legacy ActiveX Controls, and... I deal with that now in version 9 and in version 8. You know, I'm not going to say where I work, but right now we have to use version 6 or version 7 just to get our stuff to work because it will not run in IE 8 or 9 because of the ActiveX controls. And when I saw that they were going to flag, you know, hey, you can run your old stuff with this new browser. That was the first thing I jumped on to look at. I cared less about the tiles and the metro interface. I, I didn't care about that. And just went and looked at that browser, and it, it, it stunk. My two cents. Gotcha. <laughs> would you guys have any use for one of those, uh, the tablets? No, I, I don't think we would have any use for it. Um, we've, we've brought in a couple of iPads here over the last couple of years, and they're useless. I get more calls about, well, not me personally, but we get more calls about those tablets than the laptops because people just can't interface with them as easily as mm -hmm. they can with the laptop to do what they need to do. But do you think maybe Microsoft, you know, they've got the keyboard. Who knows? I'm not, obviously none of us have seen any of them, but maybe they're going to come up with a more useful tablet. Well, yeah, with, with that keyboard they got attached, it does look a little more appealing, you yeah. know. And, and, and it's right there with it. It's not a separate bag or anything like that. Um, you know, it, it, and it's still lightweight or what have you. So, I mean, it does look appealing, but it still remains to be seen. Heck, we don't even know how much it costs, Larry. That's true. <laughs> it's got to be way cheaper than a, than a MacBook Pro, doesn't it? Oh, I'm sure of that. If anybody's going to buy one. I'm sure of that. My car is cheaper than the MacBook Pro is. <laughs> you and me both, brother. You and me both. <laughs> All right, let's shift gears. Uh, we got a, a little more time here. I, I do want to talk about this. Apple pulls virus immunity claims from its online store. Uh, was this you, Isaac? Very exciting as an anti-Apple person to see them actually admitting that it is possible to get a virus on the Mac. Well, and we've seen victory that. for us. We've seen that before, right? And the and with malware and stuff. And it's not that Apple can't get a virus; it's that nobody was writing viruses for it because everybody. If you're a virus creator, you go again where the people are, and the people at that point. Security, right? Exactly, exactly. So, and I think what that did, and we may have talked about this on a really early episode, but it's an interesting conversation. And it, it, the more you use a system where you don't have to worry about that stuff. It trains you into certain habits. Us, those of us that have, have been raised on Windows, we're a little more conscious about what we're clicking on. We know that there's dangerous stuff out there. And so I don't want to say that we're smarter, but we have different habits. We're more accustomed to needing to worry about that stuff. Apple users, not so much. 
So maybe they're more apt to click on something here and there in an email without maybe having that weird, I always get that weird voice in the back of my head, right? That's like, don't click on that. It's not going to be good, you know? And I don't think Apple users have that that voice. And I it's think just like people very live quickly, in specific be... neighborhoods where they don't lock their doors. Exactly, exactly. But that first time you get broken in or anything like that, you're on it, right? Yeah, or, or maybe right. the second time or the third time for some of us slower people. But, you know, it it trains <laughs> you. And if you never have to worry about it, you never worry about it. So it, it it's interesting to see that I think they're going to get hit hard just because of how their users are. And then it'll, you know, it'll calm down. My goodness. Now we, um, like I said, it, I think about just, just the idea of people up north. I remember going and visiting some folks up north about uh, a couple years ago and, and staying there. And they, none of them locked their doors, but it's just it's just a, a state of mind. You know, they, they don't expect to have to lock their doors. You know, and it's the same way with computing, just like he said. You know, I, I can sit down here with my kids or whatever and watch them goof off. And it took it took a couple of years for them to learn that hey, your computer is vulnerable to certain issues. You know, just be a little more cognizant of what's going on. And versus now that we're on the Linux machine, they they don't really care about it as much. I noticed that, and I still have to fuss every now and then because I I watch something pop up on the screen and I'm like, dude, did, did you really just do that? You know. <laughs> Little kids don't pick on everything, man. You know, I'm like, you you used to know better than this, man. You know, but yeah, yeah. You know, it's just you you develop certain habits. You know, they 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 saw that. Okay, I clicked on this, you know, two or three times, and the computer didn't break, so I just keep clicking on these other ones too, and don't even worry about it. You know, but back in the days, they were like, no, daddy's gonna get me if I click on this one. You know, you know, I, I, I'm going to take a contrarian view. I think I think viruses and uh, vulnerability to viruses on desktops and laptops is sort of yesterday's news. It's it's sort of been solved in the Microsoft world with yeah. free, with free antivirus that comes more or less in Windows 8. It will come pre-installed with your operating system. And Apple's going to do something serious. I think they took it off their website just because they didn't want to, you know, it's 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 no longer quite true. Okay, they get, you know, Macs get viruses too. Big well, it's probably Loria Ball for them too, though. Yeah. But the world, is, the, the world has moved on. And the world is about laptops. Uh, the world is about tablets and smartphones now, much more so than PCs or, or Macs. Yeah. Not my world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think this. I think this here proves that you know, this is the one time Apple is coming out and saying, "Hey, yeah, we're human." You know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's their admission that they they're human too. I mean, it's it it's kind of a a no big news thing. Right. This, this didn't. It didn't just happen that Apple became vulnerable to viruses. It's just taking off, taking it off their website. Now, um, Isaac, what what is this you want to talk about with the Galaxy S three and and these t- 
touting 10 million sales coming up. Oh, I don't understand. It's, it's, it's an interesting goal. At the same time, they're claiming that there's going to be great amounts of shortages. I was at a uh, downtown Vancouver Bell store today, and they got their shipment of uh, Galaxy S3s in, and they got one. I I, they get one device and call one. it a shit. <laughs> right. Did so, it in on a truck or was it in somebody's car? Uh, supply shortages and at the, at the same week they say, we're going to sell 10 million next month. Not Show there. me the phone. Not in that store. <laughs> not in that store. No. It's like, all right, yeah, we'll take one. <laughs> it, I, I think it's very Apple-esque they're trying to do to control the demand to keep the demand up because if they sell all 10 million on the uh, 4th of July weekend then the following week a new Android phone comes out and they're yesterday's news oh you sold 10 million last week what did you sell this week <laughs> that makes a difference that makes like a difference the tech think, world has ADD man don't you think that this thing of having to have the latest phone is Eventually, things are going to sort of saturate, and people aren't going to want to change phones so often, and, and the phones won't be all that much of a differentiating factor. Um, I asked that question, Larry, on AOTA about kind of at what stage of hardware can we finally get to to where this is good? Is a dual core enough for a phone, quad core for a phone, maybe a tablet? And when when can we stop dealing with that and having to get the newest hardware, the newest hardware every month, and then really let the people focus on what they can do with that hardware? I feel like quad-core, dual-core, gig of RAM, two gigs of RAM is more than sufficient. And I know that you can say that every 18 months, but I feel like now that's more than sufficient to allow you to do anything you could ever possibly want to do on that device. I mean... A, a dual core Galaxy Nexus can power a desktop computer, basically. Like, I mean, it, it's all about the interface and the software. So, I want one phone that's quantum computer, and then I want a bunch of stuff I can plug it into, and that would just be your one device that you can then use in all these different ways, depending on what kind of console or ex, uh, expandability you have. I think that would be you know, awesome. I agree with you, man. Is if if it gets to an point on the hardware and it, it's so robust, you know, you're gonna get to 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 a point where you're trying to maximize all of that 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 horsepower this thing has, and then you're gonna cross that line and like, you know what? I can't do this on this. Well, on this I think device. too, I need to do this on a computer. It would you know? make the programmers write better code because they know that they can't just brute force all four or five cores at at this app to make it run smoothly. They're gonna have to really, you know, tweak the code and get the code as as uh, optimized as possible for what you're running it on. And I think once they start doing that and get out of this mindset of I can design whatever because I have a quad core to go with and and screw whoever if it's taking over the phone. You know, I I want this to run lean and 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 be as as efficient as possible, especially with battery life. I mean, that's a big beef everybody has with smartphones, you know. I it's there's a lot that can be done, I think, more so in software and development than in just cramming as many cores into a processor as you possibly can and frying your pocket with it. 
And I think quad core, dual core is a good place. I mean, what's next? You're going to put six, eight in in a phone? I don't, I don't think that's yeah. necessary right now. I mean, yeah, I until you're powering a spaceship with it, like what what do you need that for? You're not rendering. You're not folding protein. I mean, it just it doesn't make sense that you're just going to keep putting faster and faster processors in them without giving us anything else to kind of come up with it. You know, it's brute force. So what's going to differentiate? How about service? How about customer service? How about making me not feel like I want to blow my freaking brains out every time I go into your store? How about that? Can you satisfy a customer? I would like to see that. Differentiate yourself by not making me want to kill myself just for being your customer. There you go. Oh, harsh. Because Verizon right now, I have to go through therapy. Between you and ugh. How, how, about the, the, how about their cloud services? Like if 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 there's Microsoft, Apple, and Google, all right, um, is that going to be the thing that differentiates it? No, like, because you can use any of them across any other. I mean, can't you? Or are they going to start siloing I it? I, I, they will try to find ways to lock you in. Um, right now, well. I'm not sure where it goes, but somehow I know they'll try to find ways to lock you in to make it, you know, hey, I've been using a Microsoft phone for the last two years. And there's some reasons why I kind of don't want to switch to a Google phone, an Android phone and so forth. So at that um, point, then do you, you look at any lock in at this point? Well, at that point, do you just look at your available options and go with the one that is the most broadly accepted? Like I, for my contacts, I like Google because Gmail makes it really easy to do stuff and it links with everything and I can pretty much do whatever I need to do with that. Well, I think the lock-in occurs because you have an, a certain investment in apps and you have learned the Android or iOS or Windows Phone way of doing things. It's a self-lock-in. It's, yeah, it's a self-lock-in. Yeah, no, sure. I didn't mean lock-in. Yeah, no, in terms of the cost of switching is just not worth it in, for whatever reason. Like, don't uh, you think the apps will kind of balance out, Mike? I mean... Uh, I do. I mean... I, think I'm, of the apps you've got for... You know, eventually they'll get to all three platforms. And... Uh, you know, I'm going through that right now. I used an uh, iPhone for two and a half, almost three years. Was happy with it. Now moving to this... Uh, uh, HTC One X Android device ICS, and so I'm learning new ways of doing things. The apps are slightly different. I haven't found anything that I was doing in the iOS environment that I can't do in the Android environment. Some things are a little easier. Some things are a little harder. It's just relearning. Yeah, but the apps you want to use are. Are pro- if they're not available all today, they'll all be available a year from now. Well, yeah. do, isn't it the case yeah. that you find whenever you need something like that, chances are someone's already written it? So I think yeah. if, if a lot of people, if the need arises that, hey, I need to get this off of this silo and into this silo, I think it's only a matter of time before someone creates that tool. And if you can get that expandability via an application, I think that makes it even that much easier. Yeah. Exactly. It seems like, I don't know, I'm just, I, I don't have any big concrete things in mind, but I can see Microsoft, like in the university or this education world, I put a link up there. Um, 
you can really see Microsoft and Google starting to really go after the education market, giving people, you know, free, um, what is it? Uh, what does Microsoft call their something? Office 365. Office 365 or something. You know, and Google Docs and Google, you know, the whole Google suite, Docs and and, uh, and Hangouts and, and uh, Plus and, and uh, what's the other one that conversate? Uh, what do they call it? Commute groups, Google groups. So Google's got their scene going. Microsoft's got theirs. And they're now, they're both giving it away to, to schools. And that's really trying to hook students and, you know, hook people into kind of one, one or the other. And then the kind of inertia Mike's talking about maybe keeps them there. Yeah, I, that, that may be that you know Google Docs versus Microsoft 365 might be a bigger differentiator than than you know which phone you're using or which operating system you're running on your phone. So, how long until we see government step in and do some sort of legislating, saying, "Hey, this is your users' information; it needs to remain their information." Granted, a lot of sites you pretty much sign that away as soon as you click yes, I accept in the, in the toss or something, but I can see it, this getting to the point where we're so reliant on these devices and there's so much of our personal information in there. We're starting to get more towards that with Google wallet, with Passbook or whatever Apple says there's is uh, Microsoft. I'm sure we'll have one. And the more we go in that direction, I think the more that gives a excuse, whether legitimate or otherwise to the government to step in and say, all right, this is how this is going to happen. And I think at that point, then we really need to be careful because that can go really bad really quickly. I mean, you think the government will say that they can't gather that information? Well, right? no, no. I think they will impose some sort of all-in, all-out type of thing saying that if you provide a service that gets – a certain amount of personally identifiable information, socials, credit card, whatever. It, once you get a certain amount, then you have to automatically provide a way to get that out and into something usable, not just saying here's a proprietary file format like a, a, a PIM file for your uh, contacts used to be back in the day, but saying that you know you have to be able to get it back out of our silo and from that point, put it into wherever you decide you're moving to. I, I can see them doing something like that it, because it, it is. It's personal information. It's, it's our health records eventually. I mean, there, there's a lot of uh, – it could go anywhere, I mean, with, with what we put in these devices. And if you don't have a good way to get it out, data liberation, what have you, you know, that could be a problem. And I think the more of a problem that becomes – the more the government will use that as an end to further legislate our free and open internet. Yeah, and I, and I think we're already seeing that happen in Europe. And yeah, buddy. I think I, I don't think it's too big a leap of imagination to think that it there will be voices in the U.S. Congress, for example, that want to go there too. You know, the the uh, like stuff like data liberation or something. But it, it's you know, it's one thing they hand you some big file, but unless you got file format standards which are going to often be application dependent it's going to be a hard thing to i don't know though why are they application dependent because that's how the developers made it why can't they make something that runs cross that's you almost you have to have standards to make things easy to move somebody's gonna make a standard and enforce it 
Yeah, well, what would you call that? It's it's your life. It's it's your pictures, audio. I mean, it's it's life. Uh, it's memories. It's experience. So you need some sort of. Form. You know, it's more than you're talking about stuff you've explicitly put in, but they know so much more about you. I mean, you could also ask them for all your search histories and and all the things you've clicked on at all the websites that weren't theirs. And that's a good I mean, point, Larry. I think that. That's a good point, Larry. I think normal people only really imagine their information online as much as, you know, their pictures, what I just described. But I don't think they realize, like we do, that there is a whole set of back channels constantly working in the background, gathering their information in in ways that they may not be fully aware of because it's buried at the bottom of the toss or something, you know. But that, that's an interesting point. Your likes, you know, your plus ones, your every time you search something. I mean, all of that stuff kind of goes under the umbrella of your information, whether or not it's if the information would be there in the first place, if it wasn't for this service being offered. I mean, it's a whole discussion that is going to eventually have to take place. And I really hope that there's, you know, it's not going to turn into another SOPA thing where they just try and fast track it through and pretty soon they own all of our information. And we're like, wow, well, we didn't see that coming. Crap. (laughs) What do we do now? Google, help. Facebook, help. Anyone, help. Remember us? It's your users. (laughs) Remember? (laughs) Pretty soon it's going to get ball into like a Tron uprising scenario where we're out there playing disc or whatever i mean but either way it'll it will be interesting to see so and and, i mean we we benefit more the more that you know this technology becomes accessible and and connected it's pointless to have all of these signals and not allow them to interact with each other i feel you get way more benefit when all of the signals can cross talk and and can say oh i know this you know that let's trade this and that i mean to a point but i think it can be way more useful than than not Organic growth, right? That the Wraith, I believe, in Stargate Atlantis had that figured out. All about the organics and the bio. <laughs> so, anyway, all right. Uh, any other stories we really wanted to mention, touch on anything like that before we wrap up? And um, ba 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 ba. I think that was it. No, the stories, unless right. we're going to talk about our writing that we've done this week. We'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, Isaac, a- anything else you wanted to mention? No, that's pretty good for me. Very cool. Larry, how was your vacation, Larry? My vacation was nice. Are you well I, rested? I had, in two weeks, I only saw my email one time. Wow. Man. And it was, Smart man. And it was yeah. spam, right? Yeah, well, my my email is always ninety five percent spam. That goes without saying. <laughs> That's I all got email. A lot of spam to go through now. <laughs> Very cool. And Mike, I want to be like Larry when I grow up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man! There's always a lot going on on the internet, but I I think we've had a good uh, chat tonight on uh, on the most important stuff. Very cool. Anybody writing anything, Ant? Uh, my recent one is I put up the uh, Chrome extension called Cloud Save, and it's someone turned me on to it, and I love that thing because I have the Amazon Cloud Services, I have the Google Cloud Services, I have Box, 
um, and it integrates just so easily. You just right click and then bam, send to the cloud. You know, and um, it doesn't necessarily beat up your browser as far as the resources go. So just check out the Chrome extension um, uh, Cloud Save, and you can find it on a new domain.net. So wait. just search for Ants Pruitt. When you when you do the right click and save as, does it save just the page you've linked to, or does it save all this? Well, it it depends on what you're trying to what you're trying to push. Whether it's an image, whether it's a link, or anything like that. Um, what if it's a link to a page with a bunch yeah, of stuff yeah. on it? It just saves that one page. Yeah, just push that resource to your to your cloud. Gotcha. And what I found cool is it differentiates because it'll know if something is an image or not. Because you can push it to stuff like Flickr and TwitPick too, mm-hmm. you know, and you right click on an image, those options show up. But if you right click on, say, just a URL or what have you, those options aren't there. But I, I, I love it, man. It's been saving my butt a few times. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna check that something. out. That sounds cool. You know, you write in something and and you want to, you know, save it real quick because you got to leave or whatever, and then. You know, for me, that's usually how it goes. I start writing something at the office and put notes together or whatever and save those notes to the cloud, and I come home, and bam, there they are, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Real convenient. Yeah. Very cool. Larry, did you just get back, or have you been I writing back, anything uh, since you've been back? Like two days ago or something like oh, okay. that. Okay, so you don't have any new posts up or anything you want to plug? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did a uh, – I did a – a couple today. Well, I did one today on what I just mentioned, the, the fact that Microsoft has announced that they're going to give their uh, Office 365 free to K through university students, faculty, and staff. Right. And uh, that's just going right after Google Docs. And, and that, to me, is a real strategic thing because, just like Mike was saying, um, five years from now, the students that went through those classes, they're going to be users and comfortable with Microsoft and all their cloud apps and or otherwise Google and all their cloud apps. And to me, in the long run, that's a real major uh, battle to be fought. You know, there's um, I say both of them should go at it, man, because it's oh, only going to be better for the consumer. I love it. You know, I, in the post that I put up, I, I remembered back in the old days when I worked for IBM, we would give every any university got an 80 percent discount. They paid 20% for their machine. And in, a, in the case of some places, like at UCLA where I was, not only did we give them the machine, we built the building to put it in and then uh, gave them the machine for free and then just took back one shift, you know, the, the midnight to 8 a.m. shift um, on the machine. And, I mean, you know, you get the students using it, you get the faculty using it. Uh, and that's how IBM got to be... Uh, that's how IBM ended up with an antitrust suit against them in a consent decree. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, but I think that's a real, it's a, it's a, it'll turn, that'll be an important thing uh, five years from now, whether you went to school with Google Docs or you went to school with Microsoft 365. All right. Well, Mike, anything? And I just want to point out, Hangouts hasn't crashed yet, so let's uh, let's wrap this up before it does. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Usually, yeah, it, mine froze a, a, 
a little while ago while Ann was talking at Grocery. Well, that's not important. What's important is the one being recorded, and that's usually <laughs> at least once an episode. I crash it somehow. I don't you know. Get my bird. Are you going to edit my birds out? My ugly mug. I've been writing over at groovypost.com and search for Mike Rothman. You'll see some stuff up there and uh, more coming up in this coming week. I, I, I wrote something. I posted on my Google Plus, and there it is, the whole thing. It's entitled, How Stuxnet Lit the Flame That Ushered in the Age of Cyber Warfare. And I kind of, I get into the politics of what constitutes an act of war if the tables were turned. Would would we have done the same thing, you know? And I get into the technology of what I rounded up of of all of the articles that had been written and the research done and the blog post by the the researchers that found it first. And I I put that all in there. And uh, yeah, it's I I thought it was really interesting. People that have actually made it through. I I do write a bit long, uh. So some people, if they're just looking for a real quick, you know, summary, this is not that. But if you want what I feel to be a somewhat thought out intellectual uh, idea and conversation about what this cyber war actually means and what it's going to do to us as a whole, as the planet. Uh, I think you should uh, check it out. I'll put a link to it. It's just on my Google plus. So if you follow me there, you'll see it. Um, but what, what I wanted to mention is, is one of my, my last paragraphs and I'll just read it real quick, but this is what I was kind of thinking. It, when wars are fought in real life, what, what do the battlefields look like? Unusable for anything except war? Yes. Completely filled with the dead of both sides? Yes. Death and destruction everywhere. Think of what is going to happen to our internet if it becomes the battlefield for all of the wars our bickering countries want to fight against each other. I don't know about you, but that's not an internet I want to use or continue to put information on. There's no mutually assured destruction when it comes to cyber war. Not yet, at least. So that's just a little, little taste of, of what the, this is about. So it's deep, man. It is. Check it out. That's a really important and scary topic to point. That's forward. what I thought. There you go, Matt. This is Matt. This is a great article. This is a this is a piece that a magazine like uh, Wired would be interested in. I mean, well, this is this is thoughtful stuff. It's on my Google Plus. And if you want to know more about it, ask me in private, and I will be happy to share with you. So, anyway, that's on my Google Plus. Check it out. How Stuxnet lit the flame that ushered in the age of cyber warfare. All right, guys. Thanks for the chats. It's been a fantastic yet. Yet another tech show.com. Make sure you're subscribed to the feed on iTunes or your favorite RSS pod catcher. We do these shows once a week, like I said. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Google Plus. And as some of my friends from other shows say, validate us in life. I like that. I like to be validated in life. <laughs> so, Isaac Kendall from anewdomain.net, thanks for joining us, man. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Aunt Thank Pruitt, you, Isaac. Larry Press, Mike Rothman, I'm Matt Lee, and this has been another Yats, number 15. Thanks for listening, guys. So, thanks, y'all. Another tech show. 
check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.